Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we are continuing with our fixed income conversation corner series. Joined from the UBS Chief Investment Office by Leslie Falconio, the head of taxable fixed income strategy for the Americas. We're also excited to welcome his first appearance with us, Vishal Kanduja from Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Vishal serves as co-head of Broad Markets Fixed Income for the firm. So with that, Leslie, welcome. I'll pass it over to you to lead today's conversation with Vishal. Thank you, Dan, and and thank you, Vishal, for for joining this podcast. I mean, this is your the timing is you know very good given the volatility that we have been, have seen since you know mid July. So I really do appreciate you, you taking the time and having this conversation with us. So thank you very much. Um, I, let's just let's just quickly just sort of you know get into the, the thick of things. I just want to. As we all are well aware, we've had a tremendous amount of volatility within the fixed income market, um, particularly since the trough of 372 that we saw in mid-July. You know, there's a lot of variables that, that we know that might be driving this um, outside of, you know, growth, you know, the deficit QT, all these issues that have really resurfaced. And as we, as the fixed income market, when it comes to the duration component, you know, we're looking at, you know, 38, 39 months of a quote-unquote bear market. Given where we are in terms of interest rates, and we just recently, you know, yesterday hit that, well, broke the above the above the five percent, which is like you know the highest since you know the, the pre-growth GFC. So, what kind of opportunity set do you think for there is for the asset class today, and how do you think this how do you think this recent um, interest rate environment uh, might change the Fed outlook? Perfect. I can get right into it. Uh, good morning, Leslie. Thanks for having me on. Um, I think the if you want to take a step back to explain what's happening and, and how do we see the market dynamics right now to get to the opportunity set, we would say that the market overall, fixed income specifically, has become very, very price sensitive. I mean, you went through a very intense amount of QE for the last 15 years, and then that was... Um, also, uh, you know, uh, coincided with the last end of it, which was uh, 2020, March, April, May, uh, almost June, July 2020, where you saw $10 trillion of stimulus coming into a $23 trillion approximately U.S. economy overall. Uh, that was very price insensitive, uh, the demand uh, as well as uh, the, the assets and the valuations uh, at that point in the last 15 years. So, Suddenly, after 2022, we saw a very nervous Fed, uh, and then which was a watershed year, uh, in 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 our opinion, that has left the market uh, not only you know the quantitative easing becoming a pretty intense quantitative tightening, meaning the Fed as well as the uh, banks have stepped away from being that price insensitive buyer. So you've taken out two big buyers from the market. And then the buyers who, who are remaining in the marketplace, such as ourselves, uh, have become very price sensitive. Uh, so I think that is uh, leaving us with a, with a lot more volatility because I think volatility is also an asset class that you invest in, and it's become very price sensitive. And we have um, uh, experienced it not only in 2022, but now probably the more intense version of it over the last uh, uh, three months here in the, in the U.S. Uh, so where does this all leave us? Um, I think it, it leaves us in a very fantastic spot, in, in my opinion. I think we've done a very treacherous but hard work over the last two and a half years 
in the fixed income market where um, asset classes are very um, or sectors within the asset class are very attractively priced, whether it's yield uh, or whether it's spread sectors, and then the price sensitivity of it is becoming uh, is bringing in a lot of relative value opportunities, uh, which we as fixed income portfolio managers, I think, thrive on uh, to to add value to active fixed income portfolios. Uh, so high quality fixed income. Uh, this is the last part that I want to say here, and I'll hand it back to you. High quality fixed income is competing very, very aggressively with low-quality fixed income. So the yield pickup, the spread pickup that you get from going from a high-quality investment-grade asset going down to a low-quality, high-level um, fixed-income asset class is, um, or sector is, is, is the least in the last 15 years. Uh, so that's where I think that's the sort of like the theme, underlying theme, which we see in the marketplace, and we can absolutely go into different sectors and securities that uh, – uh, that the opportunity set is showing us at the moment. So, Vishal, let's let's think about this for for a couple minutes yeah. because I think that you bring up some great points. But when when we think about things such as quantitative tightening, this isn't new to the market. And also, when you think about supply coming in play, you know, it was announced in August. I mean, the deficit felt like you know, oh, Eureka, we're in a deficit. You know, so we know the supply was was really announced in August, and yet we've had a considerable move um, in you know even a month's time frame. And when we think about the readjustments that occurred, obviously things like you know, Thursday's GDP, much third quarter GDP, well above trend growth. Mm-hmm. We know that the easing in the marketplace um, has been removed in 2024 and, and actually it's part of 2025 for that matter. So where do you think now, given this rise in rates that we've had, which has frankly helped have tightened financial conditions, that we think where the Fed is in terms of the tightening cycle. And do you think, are you concerned at all that, you know, it, this growth, stronger growth could lead to stronger inflation, which could lead the Fed going beyond what's anticipated in 2024, sort of creating that something could break scenario and, and possibly leading into a recession as we head into next year? Uh, great, great questions in there. Uh, Leslie and great observations as well. Um, so just to get get some of the answers and some of our thought processes out, first of all, and then I can back into some of the uh, background and on, on it as well. We think that the Fed is done, if not maybe one more hike remaining, so very close to being done here. Uh, the message from them is very clear, and they've been on that message very clearly over the last three months, so at least the last two meetings, is higher for longer. And the market is pricing that in uh, more so violently over the last two months. Um, on, on that part. We don't think that there will be cuts at least till the end of next year. Again, the resiliency of the economy. And I would say just the last three clean data points that we've seen post the last meeting of September 20th uh, from the Fed is uh, the uh, payroll number, which we saw, again, uh, surprising to the upside and breaking that uh, three-month and six-month average downward trend that we had started to see. Again, low-quality jobs, low-income jobs, but then still jobs nonetheless being created above expectations. The uh, weekly claims are continuing to be low, even though the warn notices out there have started to pick up pretty aggressively over the last six weeks, but not yet showing up in your weekly claims numbers. Then we saw the uh, retail sales number, which was the last print, again, above, above expectations on the, on the control group number, which is a number that, that truly tells you how the consumer is feeling, so that you know, even though we know that the consumer is strained and the, and the lower strata of uh, 
economic side of the consumer is, is, is feeling the stress, but then still a lot of resilience spending from that high-quality consumer in the U.S. economy. So that continues to be on. And then the CPI number, which left us all a little bit more uncomfortable, uh, where the Fed had to reiterate very cleanly about the uh, higher for longer. And then you put that, uh, uh, you know, you juxtapose all that with the BOJ backing away, with the uh, Middle East crisis um, uh, uh, starting, which, which has a very clear connotation or direction towards the commodity prices, which feed into inflation. So I think we just like got caught in that eye of storm, if you will, the technical storm, as we call it, uh, where the technicals really weakened. A lot of supply coming in uh, was not was not a new number, but still a big number that the market had to digest. And then you throw in that the rating agencies um, uh, finally came in and, and downgraded uh, our, our sovereign debt. So all of that, I think, fed into uh, the technicals, fed into what what has been happening with the rise of the term premium. We can get into the details of that if we if we have time. Uh, that that showed up in the in the in the interest rates. So what I'm trying to get at is that the market and the steepening and the rise and the bear steepening that we've seen has done a lot of that heavy lifting for the Fed. Uh, so we, that's why we think that the Fed is done and the rate cuts are not coming in till the end, maybe end of third quarter or beginning of first quarter, uh, uh, beginning of fourth quarter, sorry, of 2024 is when we see cuts coming down uh, the pipe. But till then, I think a resilient economy and the data dependence continues on for the Fed and, and for us as investors. So you, you just you discuss something as we know has been a big headline, you know, particularly as of late term premium. And you know, for our clients and advisors, this is might not be a, a term that they that they see every day. And just from me, a very simplistic explanation: term premium is when what investors are compensated for for locking up the money. So versus taking one year, rolling it over ten times, and locking up for say a ten year, that's sort of like what a term premium is. For a very long time, as you and I know, it's been in a negative sense because of quantitative easing, the aggressive moves by the Fed was expected to lower growth and inflation. Um, but we've had, we've had like sort of a large reversal on this term premium just to people for our, our advising clients is, is, is somewhat of a nebulous number. Um, but with that said, you know, it's been something that's been very highlighted over the past month. And I do think it will play into uh, where we see rates going from now to the end of the year. For example, I know it's a very short time frame. We're in, you know, the, the, we're heading into fourth quarter. And, you know, as we spoke about, um, third quarter GDP coming out, um, on Thursday, you know, just for CIO's expectation here at UBS, where our expectation is, you know, you've had strong third, but you're going to take from the fourth quarter as a result. And you should start to see some of this, this weakening, um, in economic fundamentals in the next couple months. But, where do you see interest rates sort of now through the end of the year? I know I know it's a very short term, but it's been a, a big focus for our advisors and clients, given the sudden rise and a bit of a shock of the velocity that we've seen in the recent movement in the ten-year Treasury over the past month. Uh, great question and a fantastic explanation as well. Uh, we think that the ten-year is going to be around these four and a half to five levels uh, by the end of the year. Again, we are in a very technical overshoot environment right now where could be overshoot about five uh, for a little bit uh, here, given that the amount of supply that the market has to take down from the U.S. Treasury? Absolutely, yes. Uh, but I think our expectations are that the term premium here 
meaning the compensation that you need from two year to the 10 year is going to be about that 0%. Uh, it was about 100 and negative 110 basis points at one point uh, during the year, but we are getting to that environment where it will flip towards positive, but it has to do a lot more work. The market will take its time. Uh, so the 10-year around the 45 to 5%, a little bit more steepening bias, meaning we'll see the two-year being anchored around that 5 and and that's where – or you know, four and a half and five, and, and that's where the 10-year will be around those levels. We don't see a significant amount of uh, interest rate rally, meaning interest rates are plunging down from these levels, unless, again, two caveats to that point would be uh, a pretty significant broadening of the Middle East crisis that we are in at the moment, uh, and or uh, financial breakdown here like we saw in the beginning part of this year with the, uh, the few regional banks um, folding up here in the U.S. And, and that, that part of the market seem, uh, still seems to be uh, taking a little bit more stress, not at the same velocity, but the stress is, still remains in that, in that more interest rate sensitive part of the market, which is regional banks and any, any floating rate debt outstanding. Uh, so barring those two caveats, I think we, we think that around this four and a half to five is where we end up on the tenure uh, by the end of this year. When we think about, you know, part of our allocation this whole year, and, and you know, we've we've been fairly, we were, in the beginning we were fairly, but I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, CIO was, was on more leaning towards the camp. We see a recession earlier um, in that first part of the year, but we, we, we capitulated pretty quickly um, in terms of recognizing that consumer strength was much more resilient than we had originally anticipated as we had head into 23. But we do have this preference for higher quality sectors. Um, and, you know, and now particularly where we are in the cycle, we're sticking with that preference because, you know, some of these, these, you know, higher embedded credit sectors, which have done well, I and mean, high yield is, has done pretty well in sure it's, it's, it's obviously underperformed as late, but you also have things like the loan market that has, been a great floating rate hedge, and we've seen sort of these lower credit quality sectors outperform in the total return format. But how do you see sort of the risk reward playing out going forward on a risk adjusted return basis, given where we are now, that given where we are in the cycle, and the potential, you know, while we all wait for that lagged impact of yep. aggressive Fed tightening, I mean, which we've been talking about forever, how do you how do you sort of see that playing out? Yeah, no, very. Very nicely put, Leslie, again. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about that high quality versus low quality. I think what this quantitative easing and quantitative move towards quantitative tightening has done is that on the same day, in the same market environment, we have an asset class which is priced at 15-year wipes, agency MBS. Agency mortgage-backed securities have full faith and credit uh, uh, backing of the U.S. Treasury, explicit U.S. Treasury. The spreads on that uh, asset class or that sector at this point uh, is close to uh, to September 2008 levels where we were questioning whether Freddie or Fannie, Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae will make a coupon payment. So we were questioning the credit of U.S. Treasury at that point. Uh, so that's how wide that sector is at this point. And then the double B corporates or single B corporates, I know they've adjusted a little bit, let's see, as you pointed out in the last four to five weeks. Uh, but they were trading at 10-year tights to investment-grade corporates. So the pickup that you get from moving from a triple-B investment-grade corporate to a double-B investment-grade, uh, below-investment-grade corporate was the least in the last 
So that is what the uh, sort of the movement from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening is, where uh, buyers in, in, in the market have become a very, very price uh, uh, sensitive, if you will. Uh, so that is where I think the, the um, affirmation or, or sort of the preference for high quality assets in our portfolios that we have, where we are buying sectors or overweighting sectors uh, that we are not bought uh, for a long time in our fixed income portfolios. Agency MBS was a zero weight in our uh, fixed income portfolios for almost like seven years uh, coming into 2020 uh, crisis. And now it's close to about uh, 12 to 15%, depending on the portfolios that you look at. And then we have the least amount of high yield in our portfolios for that rationale that we can make that relative value argument where you are getting that 7, 8, 9% yield in investment grade portfolios. So you don't have to stretch yourself uh, picking up um, high leverage or, or low quality uh, uh, companies. I'm not saying that we are going to see a pretty uh, draconian recession or default cycle here in the high yield market, but just as a prudent investor, uh, for the amount of risk that you're taking on, you want to be compensated with a risk premium. And currently, we think that that risk premium is not not uh, compensating investors enough to go down in quality. So that that's the trend. And then one last point on that: what are we doing in our portfolios? We are moving out the curve. We've been uh, sort of pretty significantly short duration across 2022. We came in into 2023 slowly but steadily covering duration. We were neutral in duration with a pretty significant amount of steepening bias in our portfolios. And now we are moving out the curve, if you will, where we think that the compensation of moving out from that really front end, I know there's a lot of cash stuck in that zero to two year part of the curve. We are moving out in our portfolios because we think that duration will produce that uh, diversification versus other uh, risk asset classes like the equities uh, that clients might own in their portfolios. So that those are the two uh, significant shifts that we are making in our portfolios over the last three months. Well, I, I tell you, I, your points on agency MBS, you know, we couldn't agree with you more. That is one of our favorite sectors as well. Um, and, you know, personally, listen, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm surprised by the underperformance to a bit. I mean, we all know that um, any strategy being short ball here hasn't been the best. And given the fact that we've had such, you know, large moves in interest rates, it's always been, it's been a tough, tough road for the agency MBS sector. But it's one of our favorite sectors. There's no question. Um, and, and, I, and I completely agree. Now, just in terms of, like, the final thoughts, what do you say? And I'm just curious what your thoughts are. And, and please, you know, feel free to, to put, you put a wide band on this in terms of, you know, when you say you're extending out, where are you extending out to? Like, what are you comfortable with in duration side? Or, or your view on EM or munis or yep. anything anything else that feel free, feel free to just think about an over framework as, as the uh-huh. final thought yep. there. Yep. Yes. Uh, so securitized credit, apart from agency MBS, um, that is still our very uh, top spot or the most bullish that we are. Not only from, you know, we look at asset classes from three aspects, fundamentals, technicals, and valuations. Uh, all three, all three uh, are, are very strong in, in favor of uh, securitized credit. What do I mean by that? I mean by uh, a homeowner who bought their house in 2018 to 2021, 22 is sitting on about a 3% mortgage for fixed, uh, fixed for 30 years and has spent about 20, 30% home equity in their homes, which they have not extracted out to buy different homes, the issue that we had in 2005. So that is the borrower which is very pristine, very well underwritten, and is going to fight tooth and nail uh, to give up that, that, that mortgage or that house, given the amount of equity, as well as, you know, that, that is a borrower who's keeping its job, 
given the uh, payroll information that we that we get. So that is the borrower that we are banking on. So securitized credit, meaning bonds that are backed by homeowners uh, like that, for example, and are investment grade rated, are yielding about 8% for a three-year average bond. Uh, those are the types of bonds that we are uh, overweighted. We are avoiding uh, housing. Uh, we are avoiding uh, CMBS backed by office. Uh, we think that that is one uh, sector that needs a little bit more time to reprice. Uh, we don't think that the pricing in the market right now is reflective of the risks uh, and and structural changes that that market has taken place has taken place over the last uh, two to three years post post COVID. So we're avoiding that, but we still like CMBS or commercial mortgage-backed securities backed by hospitality. Uh, I think that is one sector that is still very bullish, that we are still very bullish on, given the pent-up demand that is still going through and the consumers here in the U.S. at least being being still very strong from a balance sheet perspective. So those are on the bullish side. Uh, yes, tax-adjusted uh, yields. Again, we manage taxable portfolios, but, you know, that that sector gets so much more technical from the retail demand that there are always fantastic opportunities. And we are finding, starting to see some of those opportunities versus some of those very long-dated, uh, high-quality investment-grade corporate bonds where we are, um, you know, looking at that relative to some of the taxable, long-in-taxable munis uh, in, in, in that space. So, yes, to your point. Uh, EM, I think the local income bonds in certain very idiosyncratic countries, I think EM, we are treating it as a very idiosyncratic uh, allocation rather than a sector allocation at this point. Uh, so some of the LATAM countries, which started to uh, raise rates pretty soon, uh, much sooner than the Fed, started to cut rates uh, much sooner than the Fed again, uh, as the Fed started to turn dovish in, in the middle of this year, uh, have actually started to protect their currency. So you're getting uh, pretty fantastic 12 13% yields in two to three year paper in some of these LATAM countries. Uh, that, that we find a lot of value in, but that is a very idiosyncratic, uh, being very sensitive to the dollar being still very strong till the time the Fed is going to be hawkish uh, and, and in a restrictive stance. So idiosyncratic on EM, looking for opportunities in taxable munis, uh, less so present, but yes, we are, we are vigilant there and securitized credit being our uh, top bullish bet in our portfolios. That's great. And that was, that was, I really appreciate you getting into such detail as well and then telling us about where you're allocated. This has been a really, you know, a fantastic conversation and in, and in my opinion, an incredibly important time as, you know, we see, well, we're in the middle of a transition to what, what the new normal might be with interest rates, but also given the fact that there's a lot of unknowns out there and, you know, including what might, you know, occur in terms of the U.S. economy and what's happening abroad. So I really do appreciate your time, Michelle. Thank you. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.